Opening Scene Outer Space There is only three left! I've got this one. Okay, that leaves two, and they're headed toward Jouse and Romer. Romer, you should be able to get them with missiles. We are out of missiles. We've been out here all day. Okay, okay, don't get mad. Just hurry up before they flank you. Guys, they are going to flank you. I, I almost got this one lined up. Jouse, Romer, they're flanking you. Watch out. I know what I'm doing. No, Jouse, the, the other one over there. You are getting flanked. What is the point of telepathic comms if you aren't going to listen? got that one. Uh-oh, that was close. Uh, I think we are a bit too far outside. That's, That's what, I've, what been I've been trying, trying to, tell to tell you. I got it, I got it. They're gonna see Kit. No, no, I've got it. You guys are taking too long. Okay. Radar is clear. Let's just stop arguing and get back to the space station. Sounds good to me. Telepathic link disengaging. See you guys back at the station. Welcome to the ABGC Stereo Sci-Fi Storycast. Featuring the adventures of the Anthro-Bionic Galactic Core. Three full seasons of 20-minute episodes. Season finales will hit harder and longer. Check the description for links to our online store. And now, the theme song to introduce you to our characters. We fly Resorts, the anthrobionic galactic core, fending off ships from a hostile race, guarding the borders of outer space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am Rico's water captain. Terra is my female wingman. Thousand Palmer, Father Bomber, and Kit runs all the scans. We've seen one for seven years, trying like hell to persevere. Government animal machines, going free is our only Inside a big space station, we never get a vacation Stuck in this rotating cage, until we see the abandoned cage
we were taken by the little Atari when we were just babies, treated like Greeks and combined with high technology. Now we face our salary invasion, if we can't get resolution, they will cause global destruction, total human race extinction. We are the planet Earth's last resort, the anthrobionic galactic core. Bending off ships from a hostile race Guarding the borders of outer space Yeah, 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 yeah. She up an engine's burning Laser cannon turrets turning Trying to maintain formation Through salvos of ammunition Barrel rolls and sneak attacks Now there is no turning back Decoy positive afterburners I think I see their headquarters Episode 1. The Beginning. Scene. Space Station. The space station is a large structure with a top and bottom saucer section connected by a central shaft. Two large solar arrays spin on the outer perimeter of, and in counter-rotation with, a central section spinning mid-shaft which is made up of several extended modules. Our first interior scene is in the office of Lieutenant Commander Jason Morick. Morick's office is a drab, uninspired place. Like most of the station, the walls, floor, and ceiling are comprised of aged and worn metal. Across from the large doorway, a desk and chair reside near the back wall, and several storage lockers stand on the left side. The camera slowly pans across the office right to left, and we zoom in on Lieutenant Commander Mork sitting behind the desk. Mork's face is illuminated by the tilted video display on his desk. He submissively talks into it. Uh, yes, General. All the station systems are still stable. Inventory and supplies are accounted for. Fuel reserves are at General Delaney interrupts in a militant voice. Did the mechanic get the new shipment? Mork responds, Yes, General. It arrived two days ago, but I... Good! We need those upgrades installed and tested before the presentation next month. Mork responds, I really don't think parading around active duty... I don't need you to think... I need you to follow orders and get those upgrades installed ASAP. Call me when it's done. Morik sighs. They are not going to be happy about doing this again, he thinks to himself. 
I don't want to make this call. He sighs again. He touches a button to start a call on the video phone. Mechanic, go ahead. Mork answers back. The general is anxious. Are we ready to start? Ready, says the mechanic, and hangs up. Mork stands up from his desk and walks to the door apprehensively. He presses a button and the door opens. He shuffles down a long hallway, turns right, and wanders further until he comes to another large door. He presses a button and the door opens. Scene, the ABGC Commons Area. The Commons Area is just as drab as the rest of the station. There is a couch, chairs, coffee table, and TV in the section closest to the door. Another eating area can be seen behind the TV to the right with larger tables and chairs. To the left is a high counter with tall stools under it. The halls fill with loud, arguing voices. Warwick sees all five ABGC members pointing, shoving, arguing, blaming, snarling, or otherwise making unhappy gestures with each other. I'm so sick of your face! Ah, well, I'm sick of staring at your big nose! I'm sick of this station! I'm sick of these walls! I'm sick of this couch! Screw you! Bite me! The camera goes back and forth between the team and Morik several times. Morik takes a moment to study each one of them. Jeez, they are big, he mumbles under his breath. One can't help but notice their fur is ready to burst out of every seam of their beige, tattered, and raggedy, standard-issue onesie jumper which have been poorly, if not hilariously, re-sewn together in an attempt to accommodate their girth. I don't think I will ever get used to their size, he thinks to himself. Kit, the smallest and youngest member of them, is every bit of six feet tall and is standing on the couch doing his best to be eye-level with the others. The color of Kit's white and tan fur is dwarfed and muted by his huge, shiny, metallic ears and wide, innocent eyes. The ears are separated by a large tuft of fur on top of his head, which balances out against his very tiny, small black nose at the end of his muzzle. His older twin sister, Tara, stands next to him, her large fennec ears and fur are nearly the same color as Kit's. Those disproportionately large fennec ears somehow make her seem to almost flow elegantly as she moves, despite the metal frame, wires, and crystals embedded across her face and eyes. In another life, she might look ordained as royalty, perhaps an Egyptian pharaoh, with such exotic and elaborate facial artifacts. Her long tail swaying back and forth beautifully as she shakes her hand and yells insults and slurs across the table. 
Romer and Jouse absolutely tower over the two Fennec team members from the other side of the coffee table. At ten feet tall, the massive heads, arms, and legs on the bears make the furniture in the room look like small toys. Their enormous, grisly, bear-like bodies send vibrations through the floor every time they step or shift their weight. Both bears have a massive equipment box surgically attached to each one of their backs. The digital display on each box scrolls the letters of their verbal insults as they speak it. As if hearing them wasn't enough, everyone has to read them too. Their equipment backpacks are surgically attached and supported by several other structures on their body, one which wraps halfway around their waist and another around their thigh. Jouse has a dark brown fur color, while Romer's is a lighter tan. The equipment box and supporting framework are on opposite sides, mirrored, for each of the bears. In the back center of the group, Rico stares at everyone as only Rico can. His black fur accentuates his large, squared, blocky head and jawline. Those piercing eyes always seem to convey the message, Go away or I'll murder you! despite his eyes being two different colors. Standing nine feet tall, with more muscular definition under his fur than the others, Rico is absolutely intimidating. The tan highlights and tan mask around his eyes, along with his big black canine nose, draw attention away from the fact that his head is slightly misshapen. Mork realizes almost despondently that he has not yet been noticed while hoping for a pause in the commotion in which to interject. He turns around and begins walking back to his office. The doors close behind him and silence once again graces the halls. Once returned to his desk, Mork activates the video phone. Delaney. Mork answers. General, we have a bit of a situation with the assets. They are becoming unstable again. At each other's throats. I don't want to hear it. I don't need them to sing folk songs around a campfire. I need them to do their jobs. You're the freak babysitter. You do whatever it takes to get them to behave. Mork picks up a picture frame from his desk that was face down, and he talks to it. This is not what I wanted. This is not why I joined up. Forgive me for what I'm about to do, he says. He carefully sets the picture down and goes to the tall locker to the right of his desk. He holds up his hand to a scanner and the locker automatically opens. He pulls out a sidearm and places it in the back of his belt. He then pulls out a large rod with a handle on one end and large prongs on the other. He pulls the trigger on the handle a few times, 
making sparks fly between the electrode prongs. He walks toward the door and opens it, proceeds down the long hall once again, turns right, and approaches the other door, then opens it. Once again, the corridor fills with arguing and bickering. Scene, ABGC Commons. Mork, in a moderate voice, says, Hey! Nothing. In a louder voice, Hey, guys! Nothing. This time, in a much louder voice, while raising his arms and sparking the rod across the very top of the high archway, he says, At attention, soldiers! Silence falls, and the five ABGC members turn to face him, Kit still standing on the couch. Mork stares and says, Come on! You are a team, a unit! I need you to pull yourselves together. The ABGC team members stare at him in awkward silence. Mork briefly makes eye contact with Rico. Please don't eat me, please don't eat me. He can't help thinking to himself instinctually on some level. Mork puts on his best commanding posture and voice and says, We have another upgrade to do. Kit immediately falls into a crouched position and scurries back to the far end of the couch. No, 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 no. All eyes turn to Kit. Except Rico. Rico, speaking under his breath, utters one word. Finally. As he turns to walk toward the dining area. Tara whispers a soothing voice to Kit. It will be okay, Kit. I have to go first anyway. And when I'm done, I will help you. I actually think I can absorb even more this time. I am starting to get used to it. Romer says, Are we going right now? Mork nods. Yeah, look, for what it's worth... I know this sucks, and, and I'm sorry. You all know your jobs, and I'm just the guy keeping the lights on. I do try to stay out of your way as much as I can, but orders are orders. Joust interjects, Did those orders come with a new board game? Morik looks down at the floor, No. I'm sorry to say they rejected your requests. I, I know, I know, I know. After the last upgrade, I asked if there was anything I could get you, and I really meant it. I wanted to do something to raise morale. But they said, and, and I quote, Any transport of non-military items are considered a security risk and could compromise the integrity of this installation and the mission. Romer responds, Screwed again! Big surprise. Morik looks sadder than ever. You are stuck with just the items left here on the station by the old crew, I'm afraid. Awkward silence fills the room. 
Rico huffs. It's not important. Tara looks at Mork. Yeah, because we don't matter. We aren't important. Everyone looks at Kit again, who is now physically shaking in place on the couch, then back at Morik. I guess we are used to it, says Tara. Tara begins walking toward the doorway, and Morik steps aside. Tara walks past him, touching him on the shoulder, and says, This absolutely sucks, but we know it's not your fault. It has been like this for years. Morik fixates on that word. Years. It has been years, he thinks to himself. Too many years. Morik turns to Tara, then the whole group. Actually, you know what? I don't want you to get used to it. You are all important. Like, really important. I think it's well past time to act like it. If you will excuse me, I have a call to make. Thanks for listening to Episode 1. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you can be notified when Episode 2 drops. Check out our cool merchandise in the store to support this story at abgc.creator-spring.com. As always, the best way to support a new content creator is to like, subscribe, and tell your friends. Thanks so much. <laughs>